0: We've been uh, in this series over the last month, and we're finishing it this morning, as we've been looking at glimpses of the life of Moses and seeking to understand the, the different types of hope that we have as disciples of Jesus. And, and there are different types of hope, and we've, we've looked at a number of them. Today we're going to talk about the fact that we can have triumphant hope. We can walk in victory. And I, and I can't wait to unpack this with you today, uh, because you're not always going to feel like you're being triumphant. But again, it's not about what we do. It's about what God has done. The victory is in Christ Jesus. And the more we understand the gospel and the more as we live under that that good news, the more we're going to be able to live with this hope no matter what circumstances we are facing. Here's the fact. Everybody in this room has hope. The question you need to be asking yourself is, what is the what is the source of your hope? You have faith. What is the object of your faith? Whatever the object of your faith is will determine what your hope is in. Now, some of you are disappointed in your life. You're disappointed in what's going on, why? You know, the, the, the psalmist several times, different psalmists would say, why so downcast, O my soul? They're asking this question. They're speaking to themselves and they're saying, why are you, why are you down? And then, and then almost inevitably somewhere in that psalm they'll say, yet I will hope in him. Yet I will hope in the Lord. See, if the Lord is not your hope, then your hope is going to disappoint you. Uh, it's interesting to me to watch people lose hope, to lose excitement and energy, um, I, I remember, um, <laughs> I remember talking to uh, someone who had uh, their hope in their college football team, and and you know they 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 thought it was just a hobby, they thought it was just an interest, but then their college football team lost, and they actually <laughs> direct messaged me and said, "I will not be in church tomorrow because my team lost." And I said, "When your hope is in a football team, it makes sense." that you wouldn't feel like doing anything else. You know, there are some folks who've put their hope in, in politics. And it was really interesting in 2016 when there can, some, some folks' candidate lost, they literally said, I can't go to work. I can't go to school, I can't go to class, I can't function, why? Because their hope was in something that can fail. What is your hope in? If it is in something that can fail, you're in trouble because sooner or later you know what it will fail and when your hope fails life life is nearly impossible but i've got good news you can have triumphant hope through faith in jesus christ he never fails he is always there. He's always got the answer. And what we see happening with the children of Israel at this stage of the story in Exodus 15, it points to what all disciples of Jesus are free to experience in Him. So, if you would, I hope, if you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and go to Exodus 15. Macy's going to read for us just verses 19 through 21. We're going to look at this, this entire song today uh, that that Moses' sister Miriam is pointing to in our text. So let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Again, we're in Exodus chapter 15, and Macy's going to read for us uh, the part where Miriam steps in and where she starts to give leadership to the body. So, Macy, read that for us. For when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on the dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing, and Miriam sang to them. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Thank you, Macy. If you would, go ahead and be seated. We live in a time when people are being encouraged and even taught to be victims and, and this, this, is, this is both a dishonoring and a destructive, dishonoring and destructive activity. Let me tell you why it's dishonoring. Because first of all, there are real victims in the world. There are people who have been victims of racism and hatred and injustice. And so when, whenever someone takes the stance that they are a, a victim, when they've not been victimized in, in, in truth, but only feel like a victim and, and want to be a victim and someone wants them to be a victim, it dishonors those that are real victims. And it, and it robs real victims of resources, time, money, people, people's attention that needs to be going to them. Instead, it gets, it gets watered down. And true victims don't don't get the help that they need. And so those true victims, they, they end up influencing others who become victimized as well, because oftentimes victims have a way of life that causes them to be victimized. And there needs to be a break in this. We've got to wake up. Some of you in this room, you are real victims and you're in the right place because we have resources to help you. We have a counseling center. We have ministries. We have pastors. We have lay leaders. We have folks that will love you and help you and walk with you. Some of you feel like victims and you've been taught to be victims and you've been encouraged to be victims. And and you've got to understand how destructive that is. It's destructive because it creates a self-centered, self-seeking, People that have a mentality that everybody else owes them. They go to work and they say, these folks owe me. They go to school, they owe me. They go to their marriage, they owe me. They go to their parents, they owe me. They go to their children, they owe me. They go into any aspect of their life. And because they feel like a victim, they feel like somehow people owe them. And in being self-seeking and self-honoring, they think themselves right and justified in being critical of those who don't see the world as they do. Because they've made their God a circumstance or situation that they would prefer. When someone doesn't agree with that, they begin to attack. And so what we see happening in our culture today is that we see not just people disagreeing, you're always gonna have disagreements with people. There's never gonna be a time until Jesus comes back that we all say, yep, we all agree. Until that time, we're gonna have disagreements with other people. That doesn't mean we hate those that we disagree with. It doesn't mean that we are to be a caustic, that we are to, to, to make them seem like they have somehow harmed us and we have no right to harm them. But what do we see happening in our culture today? We see people, not just with words, but I even saw pictures last night on the news where people had actually hit each other because they didn't agree on the issue of the Second Amendment. Why are we here? Why is this happening? Here's why. Because there have been those who have created a victim mindset, and here's why they do it. If a person can convince you that you're a victim, they can create a solution that will make you a slave to their power. Think about it. If I can convince you that you're a victim and I can then say, okay, now that you're a victim, let me show you what I have that you need that will solve this. If I can convince you of that, now I have power over you. And so there are those who are selling products. And again, I'm not against selling products, but you got to understand there are people who are saying to you, hey, you're unhappy. Hey, you you don't feel good. You don't feel powerful. Hey, buy this vehicle. Hey, live in this neighborhood. Hey, get this watch. Hey, buy this this consumer good. And then now I'm going to make you feel strong and powerful. Politicians do this, you are a victim. I've got the answer. If you'll just put me in office and let me have power, I'll share that power with you. And then I'll get you what you want if you'll get me what I want. But I've got the secret. This is what cults do. I've lost many friends to cults over the years. And here's what they do. They say, you're a victim. You can't make it. So I've got this secret knowledge. And if you'll succumb and if you'll submit to my authority, then I will give you a little bit at a time, all the while seeking to control you. This is demonic. This is what the enemy does. He wants us to take our eyes off of the one who really loves us, who really can and will care for us. And he wants us to be... Subjugated, become subjects to worldly powers and to constantly feel like victims. If you feel like a victim today, and if you are a true victim today, I got good news for you. There is one who can save you. There's one who can give you new life. There is one who can give you healing and hope there is one who has plans for you, to prosper you to care for you, to lead you and his name is Jesus Christ and here's why you can trust him don't miss this Here's why you can trust Jesus Christ. If you're struggling to trust Jesus Christ today as your Savior and Lord, let me right now let you know why you can. If you you are a disciple of Jesus, but you find yourself struggling to trust him, let me tell you why you can trust him above anything or anyone else. He doesn't need you. You don't have anything to offer him that will make him any better than he already is. He is God. And as God, he is the only being that is completely self-sufficient. You and I aren't. You and I need other people to encourage us. We need people to tell us who we are. We need people to, to, to motivate. We need other things. We need things outside of us to make us whole. That is not God. God is completely whole. He is holy. And He doesn't need you, but He loves you. He loves you, and He has brought victory for you, not because He needs you, but because He loves you. Romans 8:37 says this, "No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. The victory is in Jesus Christ alone. No politician. No, no uh, item you can purchase. No, no ball team. No look. No nothing can compare to him. Everything else will fail you. Jesus Christ will never fail you. He has the power. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. So when we look at this world and we see all the brokenness, And everybody in this room, every single one of us have brought brokenness into this room today to some degree. There's something with our physical health. There's something with our heart. There's something with our mindset. There's something that's going on. There's someone that has hurt us. All of us bring some level of brokenness and either we've caused it by our sin or someone else's sin has caused it. But here's the deal. If you will trust in Jesus Christ and the fact that he loves you has paid for your sin and repent of of self-sufficiency and trust in him, you can pursue and recover God's design. And let me remind you this, you are trusting in something for your salvation right now. Whatever you're trusting in is the source of your hope. What are you hoping in? Is it your health? Is it your income? Is it what other people think of you? Is it the possessions that you have? Is it your looks? What is it you're counting on to give you the strength to get through this day and to get through next week? If it's not Jesus Christ, you will be disappointed. That God, that idol, that thing cannot suffice, cannot bring healing and hope to you. Christ alone can. In Christ, we can have this triumphant hope. And our text reveals what it is to have triumphant hope. So let me, let me show you these things as we look at this song that, that the people sang and kind of what was going on. You can't disconnect chapter 14 from chapter 15. When you look at the very first word there in, in chapter 15, the word is then. Then. Okay, whenever you see the word then or therefore, you need to always go back and see, you know, what happened then or what it's there for. So the, the people of Israel, as the song will, will again uh, celebrate, have been brought through the Red Sea. They have been brought through this, tri- this terrible oppor- uh, challenge that, that became an opportunity as the Lord overcame their enemy not only got them through, but destroyed their enemy. So in response to this, there, there is this real victory of God. So triumphant hope, write it down, is the response to the real victory, not pretend victory, not hypothetical victory, the real victory of God in the past. So you look in verse one. And then Moses and the people of Israel sang the song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Look in verse 3. Look who the Lord is. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow the adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps uh, congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide. my desire shall have its fill of them I will draw my sword my hand shall destroy them you blew with your wind the sea covered them they sank like lead in the mighty waters look in verse 19 for when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them but the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea what's going on here? They're celebrating the real victory of God that they had just seen and experienced. The Egyptians were drowned in the Red Sea while God's people, they were able to pass by. Now, don't forget, this is just a continuation of the victory that God had already brought. Don't forget, they had already been saved by the blood of the Lamb. Again, Exodus 12, 23. We talked about this two weeks ago. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you. Because of the blood of the lamb, the people were saved from the judgment of God. They've already experienced the victory of salvation. Now they are going triumphant forward into God's provision. God had completely defeated the Egyptians by crushing them uh, with the Red Sea. Again, Exodus 40, 30 through 31. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. God was providing for them proof that he really did love them, that he really did have a plan. And today, you and I who believe, we get to look back and we can remember just as God saved the children of Israel, so God has saved us in Jesus Christ. How are we saved? We are saved the same way they were saved, by the blood of the lamb. Revelation chapter 12, beginning in verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, "'Now the salvation and the power "'and the kingdom of our God "'and the authority of his Christ have come, "'for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down.'" So remember the language of the Exodus in describing what happened to the Egyptians. They were crushed down by the Red Sea. They were overcome, they were pressed down, they were were defeated. And so now we see the accuser, the enemy, the evil one, the devil, the, the, the one who deceived our race, causing us to live in, and be broken by sin and be condemned righteously, rightly by God. Now this accuser has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And, and what happens? And they have conquered him. How? By the blood of the Lamb. How are the children of Israel saved? By the blood of the Lamb that covered the doorpost of their house. How are we saved? By the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who came to take away the sins of the world. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone and by the word of their testimony. And so now they know that they know who has saved them. For they loved not their lives, even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. So friends, the enemy, though defeated, is still coming after us. Although the Egyptians were cast down, the enemy, the devil, had more opportunities. He had more ways of bringing, him, bringing against the people uh, confusion and pain and suffering. But they, they could never overcome the power of God. And so you and I, we have been saved by grace, through faith in Christ alone, as disciples of Jesus. That doesn't mean that we're never going to have trials. No, my friends. James tells us you're going to have trials of many kinds in James chapter 1, verse 3 but it's for the strengthening of your faith. Here's what we know about our victory and about our hope in Jesus Christ. He has won. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 speaks to this victory. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, in Christ. So not only has he defeated sin and death, but he has now allowed us to have victory in him. And as God's routine people, we are free. And this is the ultimate victory. Friends, right now in our church, we have so many that are suffering. Uh, One of our staff, Jackie Stewart, uh, works in our recreation center. Uh, Her father went to be with the Lord yesterday afternoon. And, And many of us have been with her in this last week and she struggled. And if you ask her today, Jackie, are you happy? The answer is no, she's sad, but she has hope. Because her God was not her daddy. Her God is Jesus Christ. And even though the loss of her daddy hurts, she has not been abandoned. There is a power that is at work in her life through Christ. Several in our church, they're battling emotional challenge, marriage challenge, work challenges, addictions. There's all kinds of problems. God has a plan for those. I was listening to a man from Hope House yesterday give testimony at a men's event. And he said the the, the craziest, most wonderful thing. He said, he said it was crazy. He said, I was in jail. And he said, I was in jail and I was thankful. And everyone kind of like, what? And he said, yeah, because I knew there I could probably get off drugs. And somehow I sensed that something was, a, was about to happen. Hope House's ministry began to minister to him. Jobs for Life began to talk to him about the hope he could have. He is now He is now free in Christ Jesus. He gave praise and testimony to the power of God that was at work in his life to say, you know what, I'm not done with the fight. I'm not done with the battle, but thanks be to God. He has brought me through. And he said, I am actually thankful for the addiction and for all the pain and the hurt that had to happen in my life because it brought me to Jesus Christ. John Newton said this, the health and wealth gospel people cannot understand this but those who know and believe the gospel do. John Newton said, I have reason to praise him for my trials, for most probably I should have been ruined without them. Without the trials, without the challenges, you know what we would do? We would think that it was us who did it we would think it's because I'm smart, it's because I'm powerful, it's because I've got my act together. If those other people would, would get their act together, if those people would stop making bad decisions and be more like me and be smart like me and be strong like me, then they wouldn't have these problems. That's not what someone who believes in the gospel says. A person who believes in the gospel says, thanks be to God, he saved me despite the fact he did not need me because he loved me and he has purchased my sin and he is alive in me. And the trials that he brought taught me to trust him all the more. So friends, when we're looking at at this triumph victory, what we are seeing is is the fact that God's already won. He's already defeated the enemies. Now, we just need to live in this victory. You know, even even our trial is is not removed. We can know that God has wrought something in us that we needed. Friends, there's, there's every reason to just sometimes in, in your walk with God, just basically say, God, help me. Help me. When I was in college, uh, we were all, a group of us, Uh, preachers preaching and a a friend of mine had a church and he was my age and I was just thinking there's no way you should be (laughs) preaching what are you what's going on he said the Lord's called me to it and uh, I remember we would review we'd all go to lunch on Mondays and we'd talk about what happened that weekend and and he said guys you just won't believe how bad Sunday was and we said no we know you we can believe how bad it was how bad was it though and you know he would laugh he said no you don't understand he said it got so bad that the people in the congregation started praying for me out loud while I was preaching. And I said, well, what did they say? He said, they just all kept kind of saying, help him, Lord. Help him, Lord. (laughs) And you know, a a few months ago, right before I got, actually before I got put in the hospital, I was already sick. Pastor Dave and Pastor Bill, they came to me and they said, dude, you're sick. And I don't want to believe it. I don't want to hear it. And I can remember... The last Sunday I preached at the 11 o'clock service, I felt so bad. I, I could barely keep up with my notes of what I was saying because I was so exhausted. And I remember just saying, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. And somebody got saved that day, which was amazing to me. But it reminded me, it's the Lord's strength. What we celebrate is the Lord's victory. It's not ours. It's not in us. It is in Christ alone. Triumphant hope. Second thing, it's the reason for our lavish praise to God in the present. See, in the light of the victory of the God, the only right response is praise. So what do they do in verse 2? The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, and I will exalt in Him. Look in verse 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. Look in, in 2021, again, what we read. Just jump down to twenty-one. Sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. Friends, Praise is a natural reaction to something wonderful. And there is a real sense in which until until praise is uttered, that the the delight is incomplete. Uh, C.S. Lewis writes about this in in his Reflections on the Psalms. He says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not, not merely expresses, but look at this, completes the enjoyment. Think about this. If you enjoy something... Have you found yourself wanting to tell other people about it? You know, you, 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 you eat for the first time an entire bag of M&Ms. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, other people need to know about this. This is good. There's something about that that completes the enjoyment. Um, it is appointed, it's, it's appointed a consummation. Uh, the, Scottish, uh, the Scottish Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. But we shall think, uh, then know that these are the same things. See, fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify Him, God is inviting us to enjoy Him. Until you're expressing the praise, you've never fully enjoyed it. So if you're missing worship regularly, you are missing the delight of God. You are missing the enjoyment of his blessing, of his triumphant goodness. Uh, next week, we're going to spend the entire service, and you need to be here early, because I'm going to start preaching in about five minutes in. We're going we're to talk about what worship is and why, why it's so crucial to, to our, uh, the health of our life. Understand, it's, it's based on our triumphant hope. It's the reason that we have this lavish place. It's, it's based upon facts, don't think for a minute that this is just you know happy thoughts. No, these are true thoughts, true realities from God's word. It, it is it is emotional. It's real. It touches our heart, and then it's exercised through our faith. It's something that happens. I loved it just a few a few weeks ago, in one of our services. Um, uh, Jason Barrett, he was he was leading, and he stepped back and he started praying, and then I don't know where people from all over the room began to pray. And I thought we were having a Pentecostal moment. I thought, oh, they're preaching and speaking in tongues this morning. Now we got to get an interpreter. Now what are we going to do, right? And unfortunately, no one was speaking in tongues, but they were praying. It, it was spontaneous prayer and praise that began to happen in our worship experience. And, and there was, there was a real sense of when it was Right? because people were enjoying and keeping and taking all that God had done and was doing and expressing it, and it completed the delight. Friends, you're not always gonna feel triumphant. It's kind of like this guy, I remember in high school came into, I, remember, I thought it was the funniest thing ever. He came in and he was 15 minutes late and uh, our teacher pulled out this little pink thing and said, sir, you are tardy. And he said, I don't feel tardy. That did not go well for him. (laughs) You know what? You may not feel triumphant, doesn't mean you're not. There are gonna be days when you don't feel triumphant. And what you gotta remember is it's not about you, it's not what you've done. The victory is in Jesus Christ. And we've gotta get our eyes on him. And we got to remember who He is and what He has done. Because the triumphant victory, it's not about us, it's about Him. And the reason why we can praise in every moment is because of what He has done, because of what He is doing, because He is alive in us. Last, triumphant hope is the basis for our confidence in God for the future. There are two things that will rob you from delight in the present. Shame of the past, fear of the future. A big part of the reason why many of God's people do not rejoice in suffering, rejoice in victory, rejoice in the triumphant hope of Christ is because the shame of their past and the fear of their future. If we can ever get our eyes off of us and onto the Lord, and we can remember what he's done, we can be confident in the future. Look at verse 13 through 18. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Now he's talking about the future. So what's happened? The people are saying, Lord, look what you've already done. Now, look at what you're going to do. The people, the land that you're leading us to, they're already trembling because of what you've done. They know that they can't have us. They know they can't defeat us because they can't defeat you and we're with you. The peoples have heard they tremble. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. What's going on? They have triumphant hope. And the enemies of God are trembling. They are trembling terrified at what is coming the enemy knows he is defeated he knows he cannot have your soul but listen don't let the Lord don't let the Lord be robbed of glory don't let him be robbed of glory because instead of looking to him you're looking at your circumstances and you're believing the lies of the enemy and you're buying into the lies of the flesh in the world that says, no, 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 you don't need God. You just need a little more money. You need your, your political party to be in power. You need your ball team to win. You need your kids to be better than the other kids in their class. You need to be just a little bit prettier than the other people that were. You need, no. You say, whatever comes, my God is greater. I can look back and I can see the victory of the Lord. And I can know that he is with me. And even though I don't know what tomorrow holds, I know who holds tomorrow and my trust is in him. He has won the victory. The children of Israel were going to a place of rest. And so are we. I say this all the time. Pastor Bill prayed it this morning with our staff. Good news, this world is not our home. We are passing through, and as we journey through this life, we have triumphant hope. And it brings glory to God because we're able to point to Him as the source, the object of our faith, and the strength and the reason for our hope. So let me ask you, do you have this triumphant hope? Can you face plenty and want, and still rejoice? Or are you so limited, so earthly, so worldly, that the only way you can have hope and happiness is if the horizontal plane, your life in time and space, is the way you want it to be? If you're trusting in the things of this world, you do not have triumphant hope. You are already defeated. But if you can turn your eyes upon Jesus and look into His wonderful face, then the fears of earth will grow strangely. You will, you will see Him in the light of His glory and grace. You will have hope. What's your hope? If it's not Jesus, you need to come get on your knees and say, Lord Jesus, save me, forgive me, take my life, I need you. If Christ is your savior, but this morning you would say, my soul is downcast within me, come get on your knees and say, Lord, get my eyes on you. And if you know someone who's struggling today, come pray for them, and there's a lot of people struggling. They need our prayer and contact them and let them know about the hope they can have in Christ alone and encourage their hearts. Let's stand together as we pray.